Hey, entrepreneurs, it's Steph here. Do you want to experience what it's like to be part of our Entrepreneurial League community of founders? Now is your chance. New member open enrollment begins on June 10th, and so does our Experience Week. I really want you to have the opportunity to experience what it's like to be part of the most supportive community that will be here to support you at all stages of your business journey during our Experience Week. This will be a five-day virtual event series, and it starts on Monday, June 10th through Friday, June 14th. You're going to get access to live networking and learning events, business growth strategies, as well as office hours with Kim Perel, who is a CEO and serial entrepreneurista, as well as a prominent angel investor. You will also get access to a session on how to win grants with Kat Weaver and Katie Dunn, founders of Power to Pitch. Plus, our mentor, Carrie Kirpin, will be teaching a session all about how to build a profitable business that can sell for more money. And of course, I'll be hosting two info and networking sessions where you can really get an inside look at all of the exclusive benefits and resources that are offered only inside of our Entrepreneurs League community. Plus, you'll have the chance to meet and build relationships with current members. You can register today for Experience Week over at entrepreneurs.com forward slash experience week. That's entrepreneurs.com forward slash experience week to join us for a week of free virtual events. I cannot wait to meet you and be part of your business journey. Paving the way for others. It's just a huge, huge opportunity. And although there's a lot of stress that comes along with being a business owner, you truly, truly, at the end of the day, are changing lives, whether it's through your product or service or through the opportunities that you're creating for others. Find your path to yes. Wise words from model turned business powerhouse Alexandra Kristen, a self-proclaimed accidental entrepreneur who started her company Glam Seamless Hair Extensions with only $1,000 and grew her company to an eight-figure empire before getting acquired. Coming up, Alexandra looks back on her very first hire, her mom, and why you should and shouldn't hire loved ones. She offers advice to potential mama pernistas about how to structure your timeline in a way that's right for you in order to achieve your goals. How COVID actually resulted in Glam Seamless's highest sales numbers in its history. And Alexandra shares why she wishes she had started the business with a co-founder. This is the Entrepreneurista Podcast, presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done. And what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram. With no filters. No limits. And plenty of surprises. Alexandra, you launched Glam Seamless back in 2012 with $1,000 and a passion for hair extensions. What made you take the leap to start your own business at this time? It's so funny. I actually call myself the accidental entrepreneur. I was working as a plus size model and I was nannying on the side and I recently graduated college and all I kept getting was jobs in advertising. And for whatever reason, I didn't want to go the corporate route. So any job offer I got after college, I just, I didn't take it. I decided, you know what, I'm going to go off. I'm going to hustle. I'll do modeling. I'll do nanning. I'll do whatever I need to do so that I didn't have to have this perfect nine to five structure at the time. It just didn't appeal to me. 
So I had this idea, you know what? I need to make some money on the side. And I knew of an eyelash artist. She was doing eyelash extensions. She was making a lot of money. And I knew I wasn't great with my hands. So I decided, what can I sell to make money? I just wanted a couple thousand dollars a month. And I heard about tape extensions from a salon down the street. Now I've been wearing extensions forever. And I decided, you know what? I'm going to start selling these tape extensions online. I can't find them anywhere. And that's how Glam Seamless was born through hustle and wanting to make more money on the side. Well, take me back to those early days. What were they like trying to figure out, okay, first you had to come up with a name for the business, right? And then you had to figure out where to buy the product. Like what, what did you do first? So the first thing I did starting Glam Seamless was create obviously the name. And I looked at other extension companies. I really couldn't find anything out there. And I have this vision. Okay, when, when I wear extensions, I have this goal of wanting to feel glam. And I wanted the extensions to be extremely flat and seamless to the head. That was a problem that I had wearing extensions. I had been wearing extensions for 15 years myself. And so I just literally made it up. And I didn't put too much time or thought into it because, again, I didn't have this big vision for it. I just wanted it to be a nice, small side hustle. So I just didn't think about it, right? I didn't have a business plan. I didn't care too much about the name. I went with whatever was true and authentic to like, you know, what I felt wearing extensions. The hair should be glamorous. It should be seamless. You know, it should look real. It should feel real. And I just went with it. It was like a name I thought of. And, you know, some people were referring to tape extensions as seamless extensions at the time. And I literally just, I didn't even think twice, to be honest with you. I just went and I Glam seamless. Sounds good to me. <laughs> I, lo- I love the name. So it definitely, definitely stuck. What were those early days like? How did you start marketing the product right away? So when I first started the company, I had a thousand dollars and obviously I needed to purchase some products and I needed a website. So half the money that I had 500 went into a couple packs of extensions to sell. And then the rest of the money went into a website. At the time, I didn't have any other money outside of that. So I started making YouTube videos, believe it or not, but not in an influencer type of way, just a very at home speaking from experience about, hey guys, I have really thin, fine hair. Here's what I do to make my hair more full. So that's how I started. I started marketing the business through YouTube and then I started a blog on my website and I would actually start writing about extension topics, you know, how to wear extensions um, when you have short hair, you know, extensions for thin hair, all of these different topics was how I started marketing the business. Now that led me to, you know, a lot of free traffic on Google. I didn't know SEO at the time. I had no idea what search engine optimization was, but apparently (laughs) when you blog and it's a whole, it's a whole process now, but that's kind of what, how I started marketing Glen Seamless in the beginning. And how did you know this was an instant success and that people were super interested in what you were offering? Well, after the first three weeks of putting up the website, doing a blog and a YouTube video, I had my first sale and I was super excited. I'm like, wow, they actually just purchased this hair. So, you know, I had at least 10 orders come in within the first month after doing the blog and a YouTube video, you know, showing the extensions off, talking about the extensions. And that's how I knew at that point, I'm like, wow, this is like a, this is going to be a nice side hustle. You know, that's what, that's what I thought at first. But what happened is I actually chose a product in hindsight, you know, what, what really happened in those early days is 
I chose a product that I really loved that I wear myself since I was 15 years old. Hair extensions to me is like mascara, right? It's part of my daily routine. I'm not leaving the house without it. And I worked so much, but it didn't feel like work. It was something that I was extremely passionate about. And so I think I was able looking back to just keep doing everything intuitively. I kind of knew what to do because I loved the product so much where I'm like, how do I make this better? How do I communicate to my customers, you know, the quality of our hair, why they should purchase our hair, what to do with it once they do purchase it. And so I just started slowly making these little to-do lists of like, okay, next day, what do I need to do? Let's write a second blog. Okay. This YouTube video did had a lot of comments, you know, and I would just build off of what would come in. How quickly did you grow that first year? The first year we had about $150,000 in sales. And to me, that was huge. So when I, I really say my first year, I started my business October, 2012. So it was kind of the end of 2012. So when I say the first year, it's like full 2013, but we had $150,000 in sales. And to me, that was just unbelievable, right? I just needed a few thousand dollars a month to, to get by between my, all my little side hustles. And it just, took off. Um, the orders were rolling in and people responding to the blogs. They were leaving comments saying like, Oh, I have thin hair as well. Like I've never heard about tape extensions. So yeah, $150,000, which is like for any small business. I mean, that is, that's amazing. In the first year, and especially because you didn't raise any money and you never raised any money to date. Correct. 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 I, I never raised any money. It just took off. It's just insane. So what was the process like of starting to scale the business? Because obviously now you're acquiring all these new customers and your business needs start to change. Uh, you know, who was your first hire? Yeah. So it's a really funny story. My first hire and my longest standing employee was actually my mom. <laughs> I actually laughed. So my business started getting, yeah, I think we were doing, you know, 15, $20,000 per month. And I'm like, wow, this is like a real business. My mom was in, uh, she was a paralegal. And so she had a lot of like, you know, business background and like legal and office management. And she was like, you know, your business is really growing. You're shipping a lot of packages out of the house. Like, I think you need some help. And at the time she was transitioning her career and she was getting ready to switch jobs. So there was this interesting opportunity where she needed work. I needed help. And it just, it's the oddest thing. I, I don't recommend it. <laughs> Why don't you recommend it? What's it like working well, with your mom? You know, it's really interesting working with my mom. Luckily for my mom, she kind of respects what I built. And so she understands like the business comes first and I'm, I'm very tough. Like I put the business first. It doesn't matter if you're family or not, the business has to survive. And so I think if you can be really strong and whether you hire friends or family and kind of stick to that. But some people, you know, they love their mom, right? They're not going to be hard on on their mom. Like me, I'll be hard on my mom. Like we've had fights along the way. Do you have to give her performance reviews at the end of the year? (laughs) I've never done that to her, like written, but verbally, she knows where she stands. (laughs) But yeah, my mom was my first employee. And looking back, she set everything up for me. So I didn't have an LLC until she came on board. She set me up a virtual office, right? So I was running Glam Seamless from home. But she got us a virtual office with a New York City address. We got, you know, our LLC file. She started doing all the operational pieces that I did not love to do and I wasn't good at. And clearly I didn't prioritize. So she came on about a year and a half after I started Glam. And she's like, 
you know, we got to legally file things. You need a fictitious name. You need to, and I'm like, yeah, sure. Can you, can you do that for me? And she's still with the company today, which is, it's unbelievable. Uh, but yeah, she was, she was my first employee, but I think that first employee has to be someone that is going to do, have the opposite skill set of what you are lacking, right? So I'm not an operations person. I'm not the most organized person. I am, you know, a marketing person. I'm a product person. And so she didn't have those skill sets. She had opposite skill sets. And that really helped me kind of focus on what I did best. And then she could help me with the other side of the business. So I think that first employee needs to be someone that is going to really complement your skill set. Absolutely. And Courtney, my business partner, we have opposite skill sets and I couldn't agree with you more. That is just so important, whether it's a business partner or someone that you're hiring and bringing onto the company. So you guys can really divide and conquer. So it sounds like your mom was a great first hire. Yes, yes, for sure. And I, and I think like looking back when I think about when I started Gramsim was I think one of my biggest mistakes was not having a co-founder. I'm a very independent person. I like to make my own rules, my own schedule. That's why I really decided, you know, I don't want to accept a job in this corporate world. I want to start up a business. But then looking back as the business scaled up, there were so many times where I'm like, my mom is essentially, luckily without any equity, she was like my business partner. (laughs) But, you know, I think having like a co-founder or a really key first hire that you can trust and, you know, depend on, it, it, it can make all the difference in scaling your business. Yeah, absolutely. How have you evolved as an entrepreneur over the years? Because I always feel like I'm a different person today than I was when I first started our business, right around the time that you started your business. I mean, I was in my early 20s then, and now I'm 35 years old, and you changed so much in life. And then through all of your experiences running a business, you changed so much. So what has that evolution looked like for you over the years? It has been so interesting over the years, I never started off with like this big vision. I want to build this $20 million brand. I want to have, I didn't have that vision for whatever reason, but I did love the product extensions and I wanted to create a really good product that people would love. And I think that that's why we saw the success because when you create something of value and you're running a business that is your passion, that shines through. But yeah, I have evolved. Like in the beginning, I just was so, I guess, irresponsible. I didn't you know, take it that serious. You know, I'm just like, oh, this is great. We're just making money. This is awesome. Like I have freedom. I can work wherever I want. I can make my own schedule. And then as the business scales, you start to realize that this business really needs you, right? You hire people, they need your leadership. You know, products need improved. You can't, a business is not, you just set it and forget it, you know? And I think that's kind of maybe the preconceived notion I had going into it where it's like, well, great. I'm just going to hire this team and the sales are going to be rolling in and I'm going to be hands off. And that is the furthest thing from the truth. So yeah, I just, I think I've grown into like a really strong leader where I had a kind of a hands-off approach in the beginning. I thought it was going to be very easy. I've evolved to just really value leadership and professionalism and just staying true to like the product and, and what you're passionate about. Yeah. Have you had any mentors or coaches who have helped you along the way or other entrepreneurs? Yes. I certainly have had other mentors that have helped me along the way. So when the business started getting to about a million dollars per year, it was in year three, $85,000 a month. I remember because I would do the math. I'm like, how much do I need to make per month to get this to a million dollars for whatever reason? 
once the business had momentum, it was easier to get more excited and work longer and do what we needed to do to scale the business. So I went to actually SCORE, which is a free mentorship program in New York City. They have free business mentoring and I didn't know what to do, right? I didn't have that many people that I could call. No one in my business owned a family. I didn't have anyone around me. To be, none of my friends, they all took corporate jobs. And so I went to SCORE and there was this amazing guy named Jim and he used to be a CEO of this $800 million brand. And now he was like, you know, mentoring and in his retirement. And this is what his passion was now helping other entrepreneurs. And he helped me a lot. And he was actually really good in the sourcing. So that's what he did, sourcing and procurement, you know, and he would really, really help me see my blind spots. And there were so many in the beginning. So yeah, that mentor. And then I had another mentor, Raj, who ended up giving me half a million dollars to fund my business, which really saved us. And he worked at GE for a while and such a great mentor that really, again, the, these mentors were helping me see my blind spot. And then the final mentor I had was the former CEO of Alex and Ani, Giovanni. So those three came into my business at different times as mentors and really, really helped me see areas that I could grow as an entrepreneur and enhance and fix the business internally. Hi, Entrepreneurs. You know, I am always here to provide you with as much value as possible. So I wanted to be sure that you have access to the Entrepreneurista Agenda, our weekly newsletter where we share the latest business news, success stories, grant opportunities, as well as all of our favorite resources and special offers for founders just like you. You can sign up to join our weekly newsletter and join over 50,000 other entrepreneurs over at entrepreneurs.com forward slash newsletter. That's entrepreneurs.com slash newsletter to subscribe to the Entrepreneurs Agenda. Alexandra, I know you're a mom to a three-year-old, correct? Yes. Yes. My baby girl, Ava. I want to hear a little bit. I'm a new mom, so I have a 13-month-old and I know life is really interesting to maneuver trying to run a business and also be a present parent and be able to be there for your child. Do you have advice on, you know, being an entrepreneurista and I say a mama pernista? Yes. Yes. I had a child in the middle of growing my business and I was still running Glam Females from home. So Glam was doing two and a half million dollars per year in revenue. And along comes my baby girl, Ava. And I had to decide very quickly at the beginning of my pregnancy, how am I going to do this? Am I going to take a laid back approach and kind of put my entrepreneurial goals on hold? Or am I going to kind of sacrifice in the early days and keep building the business? And what I decided was to hire help and scale my business as fast as I could. And so I think what's really important is, you know, there's a lot of guilt and there's no right way to parent. There's no right way to run a business. And so you have to decide what works for you and what your goals are, and then take action from there, no matter what other people are doing or what they think about you. I think there's a lot of shame and and stigma around being a mom and working and should you work, should you not work? And for me, I know that I wanted to build a big brand. I wanted to have a legacy for my child. I wanted her to see what women can do And so I decided early on, you know, I was going to hire a nanny. I was going to keep hiring people in my team as well, put in that work now. So my advice to people that are mothers is that, you know, it's really tough. I think a lot of women have a lot of guilt, you know, do I work? Do I stay with the child? How do I balance both? 
And I guess you just have to define what's really important to you. To me, I grew up in poverty, right? I grew up with a single mom. We had no money. And I did not want that for my child. I knew like I wanted to be able to pay for her college, all of it. You know, I, I had these big goals. And so growing the business early on was super, super important to me. I had a midwife too. And I don't know why the universe brought me this midwife, but my midwife, she actually had four kids and she was delivering babies all the time and, you know, highly requested midwife. And I said, how do you do this? You have four children her children were between the ages of one and nine. And I said, you're working all the time. And she said, Alex, I'm going to be honest with you. Your child does not need you in the beginning. And I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, you need to keep working. Your business is amazing. She wore extensions. She asked before something was hilarious. <laughs> and she's like, you need to keep going. Like your child is going to need you at five, six, seven years old when there's soccer games and other things. Now is the time. If you have this booming business, do whatever you need to do, Alex, hire help, do whatever. And I felt so bad and I felt so conflicted, but I took her advice. And luckily that allowed me to scale Glam over $10 million per year. We were acquired 14 months ago and it just, yeah, thank you. So if you're a mom, my advice to you is find out what's important to you. If parenting is important to you and you want to put your entrepreneurial dreams on hold, that's fine too. But what's important and true to your heart, not, you know, what the magazine says or what your mom says or your sister whatever is important to you. And to me, it was a legacy. It was financial freedom. It was having a really successful business. And so, you know, I did sacrifice, but looking back, it was a hundred percent worth it. Wow. That is such good advice. So <laughs> I, I want to dig in there because you just mentioned the sale of your business. Was it last year? We're in 2020, yes. 20, 2019, 2019. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yes. Congratulations. Can you talk Thank to me you. about that process? Were you looking for a company to acquire you? Did they approach you? How did it happen? <laughs> I definitely was not looking to sell. I was approached, I think in early 2018 to sell Glam Seamless by this amazing CEO, Derek Porter of beauty industry group. And he said, Hey, I'm looking to acquire Glam Seamless. I'm building this like big beauty extension empire. And you know, I'd like you to come join. And I respectfully declined for a long time. Did you even take but a meeting? I, I took one eventually, but at first, no, no, I didn't meet with him until six months. But what was interesting is I saw other extension companies getting acquired by beauty industry group. So I did take a meeting six months later with my accountant and I kind of heard his vision for, you know, what he was trying to build, which is this amazing portfolio of these beauty brands. And then I listened to their mission of like how they're hoping to empower women and change the beauty industry. And so I never thought I would sell my company at all. It took me a year to even say like, okay, we're going to go down this road. As I watched like the industry change, as I watched them acquire more and more extension brands, I decided to go down that path because both of us were aligned, right? Like what my parent company does is they're great at operations. They're great from an operation standpoint. And I'm great from a marketing standpoint. And it was a great partnership because I felt like, you know, if I wanted to have this hundred million dollar company, I have to learn what it's like to operate within a hundred million dollar company. You know, I started glancing this when I was 23 years old and I never worked like a real job. Right. And I always would say, I wish I could go be like a, a vice president at dry bar. I wish I could stop glam right now and just go learn. And so that's what the acquisition gave me an opportunity to do because after the business got past $10 million per year in revenue, I just started to lose it. I'm like, wow, this is really hard. Like 
there's so many customers, there's so many orders. And I really started going crazy. Cause it's like, if you've never worked a job, you don't have any co-founders, you don't have any investors. What are you going to do? Did you and at that out? point, Oh yeah. Oh, I burned out <laughs> like six months. Yeah. I think it was that it was like, I was burned out and what they were offering me in terms of the partnership and just what we could build together was much more than I could have done alone. And it was interesting. Like at the time of the acquisition was right before I was getting ready. Like, do I raise money? Cause you know, if you have a product based business, it does get very expensive. You have to pay for all the inventory before you can sell it. Right. People want products now. They don't want to wait. And yeah, it, it was absolutely insane. But at the end of the day, it was like a good choice for me because I wanted to learn what does the structure look like in a massive, larger company. Um, and I've learned so much from them, from finances, from operations, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And at the yeah. end of the day, if you can get that experience, it's definitely going to help you. And so that's what I was looking for that, that support and that experience. Yeah. It's pretty crazy when I think about it. Well, it's so incredible what you <laughs> so were able to build and what, what you've been able to do. And now you're getting paid to learn too while you're working. So you got the, you got the best of it all, it sounds like. I am so thankful every day. But, you know, I did do a lot of sacrifices in the yeah. beginning. I had a nanny. I worked seven days a week for so many years, day and night, day and night working from seven in the morning up until, you know, 11 o'clock at night talking with my suppliers overseas, like it was a lot of work, but if you choose the product that you're truly passionate about an industry that you truly love, it, it just doesn't feel like work. I don't know how to say that. It doesn't feel like work at all. Cause you, you love it so much. <laughs> it definitely shines through. And I can tell just by talking to you right now, how, how passionate you are and how much you love it. So for some of our entrepreneurs who are listening, who may be thinking about selling their business, do you have any tips that you can share about what that process was like? Because I'm sure you had to deal with lawyers and accountants and negotiating the deal. So any tips you can share? Yes. When I started the process of selling the business. I actually read a book. It's called Exit Big, which is a book that tells you, you know, how you should actually, when you start your company, they say you should start with the end in mind. And I thought, wow, I wish I would have read this eight years ago because the book basically tells you how to prepare for an acquisition. But it also states that whether you go through an acquisition or not, at some point you are going to exit your company. And so you should start your company with this end in mind. Who is going to take over? Is, what type of CEO will it be? Because I'm not going to do this for 20, 30 years. And even if I am, so you have to really start with the end in mind. But if you're selling your company, if you want to sell your company, there's buyers out there. That's the good news. If you are reaching this place of burnout or it's just no longer for you and you've built up a brand, there are buyers out there. So you can actually go and look and shop around for different buyers. And then if someone approaches you, I was very leery and hesitant. And I would advise anyone that like, if someone approaches them, you know, is this a competitor? You know, you have to be very careful. I was extremely cautious. I kept my mouth pretty shut there for like six months. I didn't say anything. I'm like, what information are you trying to get out of me? Luckily that wasn't the case, but you know, you have to protect your business. You have to protect what you build. So when you are looking to sell, there are buyers, there's so much opportunity and acquisition. You know, I never really understood why would someone want to acquire my company, but larger companies can actually scale faster when they acquire businesses. So yeah, it's selling your business is, I would say it shouldn't be the goal at the end of the day, because it's not guaranteed, but you should always prepare your business 
to be sold. Like my favorite book is called Built to Sell. Building a business that you can exit, that you can sell is so important. And I think looking back, I didn't necessarily do that. And I wish I would have done that, I guess, on the way. There's certain, just buttoning up your business the entire way is so important for when that opportunity does come. How would you say the way you launched your business is different than people who have family money to be able to start their business or for someone who raises money initially when they've started their business? Yeah, I started my business with a thousand dollars and that is not a lot of money to start a business. And so when you do that, you have to be extremely resourceful and decide where am I going to use these funds? If you have only a certain amount of funds, right? Maybe you're not going to get that expensive website you want or that amazing PR agency right out the gate. You have to use your resources in the most wisest way possible to help you scale and make more sales faster. So I think that's really important. And then, you know, there is alternative lending out here. That's how I actually grew Glam. I went to this company called On Deck and they gave out these crazy expensive loans. I think the interest rates were 19%. It was the most ridiculous loan rate, but I didn't care. They were willing to give me money within seven days and I needed inventory. And so there's going to be a cost associated with it, but you know what? You're going to get the money fast. There's so many alternative lenders out there that are willing to give you money. If you can show sales, that's how I built Glam through on deck. They gave me several loans and then they take the payments out on a weekly basis. And this just helped me. I have an inventory based business. You have to put all that money up front. So there's money everywhere. I say like in a, you know, you can manifest money. There's an abundance of money. And that sounds so cliche, but from alternative lenders to a couple of years later, after Glam was doing a couple of million, I went to one of my mentors and I said, listen, like I'm looking for a loan. And he said, yeah, here's half a million dollars, you know? So there is money out there, but in the beginning, when you don't have those funds, you have to invest those resources to make sure you can build sales. Because at the end of the day, if you want a loan, people want to see sales. They need to see the sales to get that loan. So it's really important that use that money wisely, build what's going to bring you the sales the fastest, and then you'll be able to go and get more money. No, that's really great advice. So speaking of money, I saw a recent post that you put on Instagram where you were talking about money and you mentioned your five truths about money. Can you share some of the context behind that? Yeah, it's really funny. So I grew up in almost extreme poverty, you know, single mother. My mom had me when she was 21 years old and we didn't have a lot of money growing up. And money to me became very important as I actually got accepted into this boarding school for children in poverty. The school is called Milton Hershey School. So if you know Hershey Chocolate, that Hershey Chocolate brings in probably a billion dollars in revenue. 55% of those proceeds go to this school called the Milton Hershey School. And it's a school in Hershey, Pennsylvania. They accept children all throughout the U.S. for um, you know low-income parents. I ended up going to that school when I was nine years old. Even though we didn't have money, you know, I was accepted into this school. And then that school paid for my college. Money to me became really, really important as I went off to college. I went to this private university. I realized like really how poor I was. Like my, you know, roommates were driving BMWs from their parents. And I'm like, wow, this is unbelievable. Like I really grew up in poverty. And that's where I really realized that like I didn't want that for myself going forward. I didn't want to have a poor mentality. I didn't want to live poor. I didn't want my child to be poor. And so I set out a goal for myself that you know, I need to be financially free. This is really important to me. So what I've learned about money going from, you know, poor to selling 
my business is that, you know, money can be made, it can be manifested. I think like our thoughts do create our reality. And so I just told myself since like the age of 18, like, I'm not going to be poor. I'm not going to live this lifestyle. You know, I think that you can attract money into your life. That sounds like so woo woo. I know it probably does, but no, I, I believe it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm all about that. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's like, there is money out there. I mean, I think about like 10 years ago, like my bank account was negative, you know? And so it's like, there's money to be made there. There's opportunity, but you have to match it with your hustle and your work ethic and, and willing to take those risks. Right. Like we just sit around on the couch all day and, and don't do anything. Oh, I'm going to have a ton of money. I'm not sure. Like, you know, <laughs> luck meets hard work and preparation. And so those two do come together, but yeah, money is, you know, it's an important resource. I think, you know, there's a lot of, there's two different sides of the coins when it comes to money where it's like, oh, money isn't everything and it and doesn't make you happy. But having those resources change your life. They change your education. Growing up poor, there's a difference, like the schools, even just the schools that you go to, the food that you eat, everything you could think of. I ended up taking this sociology class when I first went to college, my freshman year, I took this sociology class and it really broke down, you know, classes. And it went through like people that grow up in poverty, they go to bad schools, they eat bad food, they all these things. And I'm like, oh, that was my whole life growing up. And so I was very determined after that freshman year to never, ever have this poor mentality, this poor lifestyle, because if you can start with your mind and your lifestyle, I think everything else can flow. Up next, why Alexandra wishes she had started her business with a co-founder. You can connect with us at socialflyny.com and follow us on Instagram at entrepreneistas. Check out all our latest episodes at entrepreneistapodcast.com. A common theme from all of the guests we've interviewed on our podcast so far is that they've all relied on support from other women through groups. So we decided to start an Entreprenista Facebook group. Head on over to Facebook and search Entreprenistas. We really wanted to create a community for Entreprenistas to connect, share ideas, help each other solve problems, and learn from all of our collective experiences. If you join the group, it's really a safe space to talk about being an entrepreneur, sharing your wins, asking for help when needed, and we can't wait to meet you so we can learn and grow together. Alexandra, is there a piece of advice or something you wished you knew when you were first starting your business that you didn't know that you wish you knew that could have helped you early on in your business? Yeah. The one thing I wish I did when I started my business was have a co-founder. I did not do that because I rushed into the business and, you know, I was an accidental entrepreneur, but looking back, I would highly advise to have a co-founder if you can, someone to bounce ideas off of share the responsibility. I know that if I go to start another business, I will 100% have a co-founder. Um, doing it alone is possible and it's fun. And yes, you think to yourself, oh, I get all of this equity. But the reality is you do go further when you are together. And so that would be like my biggest, biggest advice. Yeah, just having a co-founder, I think would have made things easier and someone to bounce ideas off of a responsibility. And, you know, yes, you can have employees and give them equity, but it's just not the same as like a co-founder, you know? Yeah, no, I, de <laughs> I, I definitely, 
totally understand because I have a co-founder and I can't imagine having the, the business without her. As I mentioned before, we have opposite skill sets and balance each other out so well. And, you know, there's a lot of really rough days running a business and there's so many challenges and to be able to have that person to, to talk to is def- definitely, definitely very helpful. Yes, for sure. So that would be my biggest advice. Any other tips or lessons learned along the way that you want to share? Yeah, um, I know there's a lot of advice out there that says don't hire family and friends. And I did not listen to that advice. You know, I think it's okay to hire family and friends if you are strong enough to put the business first, right? Your family and friends actually will work 10 times harder for you. I don't know why, but they do. I feel like they, it's like, it feels like a mission, but you have to be a really, really strong, fierce business person. You have to be able to say to your friend, your mom, you know, Hey, the way we're doing this is not working. We need to kind of strategize what's going on here because this is not not working. And some people are confrontational like that and can do that. And some people can't, if you cannot, if you cannot stand the thought of sticking up to your best friend or, you know, your mom, then do not hire them. But if you do have the strength, if they can respect that the business comes first, then I would say to hire your friends and family because they really will ride with you until the end. They'll work the extra hours and it's just, it will help you. Aside from your mom, did you end up hiring any other family members or friends? (laughs) I did. I I hired several friends who are um, still with me today. And, you know, it's been really great. I was really scared going into it. I'm like, oh my goodness, I shouldn't hire them. This is going to be a disaster because I can be a really, really strong business person. I put the business above everything else because it has to survive at the end of the day. All feelings have to be removed. So we need to do what we need to do here, regardless or someone other brand will do it. So it's worked out really good. I've got to be, I've got to be honest with you. No, that's really, that's really incredible and definitely good tips for, for others who are thinking about hiring friends or family. So if you, if you can't be direct and you can't put the business first, then probably not a good idea. So definitely good good advice there. How has your business been impacted since March, since everything happened with COVID? It's unbelievable. COVID-19 for Glam Seamless was the best thing that ever happened to us. I never thought I'd say that. The day, I think it was like March 17th that New York, New Jersey got quarantined. I had this huge fear, right? I was like, this is it. This is over. We're not going to hit our numbers. Everything's going to go down from here. And what happened two weeks, things really did tumble, right? Oh my God. We saw our lowest sales we ever saw. Customers weren't calling in. They weren't, you know, it's just really was silent. And then all of a sudden, two weeks later, there was this surge of orders, people calling in, ordering hair. I don't know if they got bored at home. I don't know if they wanted to look great for their Zoom calls. I don't know what was going on. We saw our highest sales in April and May ever in our history. And it's just unbelievable. Why do you think that was? And did you pivot your content strategy right away when everything started to happen? Yeah. Once COVID-19 happened, we started changing all of our ads right away, right? So we start like change the messaging, immediate action, right? Action is going to be the key that's going to take you you know, to success. And so I'm like, all right, we got to change these ad strategies. We got to talk about like, you know, look good on camera, work from home, slay your Zoom calls. And so we did change the the messaging. But I think it's just people were bored at home. They wanted to feel good, right? There, all the salons were closed, all the spas. There was no self-care. And I think extensions are one of those things that can instantly transform you. 
they can make you feel like a new person. It feels like a new haircut. It feels like a manicure. And people were just trying extensions out. I think they just wanted something. And all the stores were closed. All the salons were closed. Those are places that they usually bought purchase extensions from. And we were primed for success because we had this strong online business. So it just ended up really, really working out for us, thankfully. But um, yeah, we did pivot early on to kind of change that messaging and make sure that we're just like on top of everything that's going on. Is your team all working remotely now? Yes, everyone is working remotely. We had to shut our New York City store down for three months. We have a flagship store in Soho. They just got back to opening the store this week and you won't believe it, we are booked. I do believe it. Everyone's ready to get out. (laughs) (laughs) We're booked and busy. So yeah, um, the rest of my team who runs the e-commerce and advertising, all that good stuff, they're all working from home now. And it's really funny because I ran the business from home for three and a half years. So working from home for me is so natural. It's so easy. I feel like we get more done at home, more focused. Most, most people anyway. So it's been interesting. I know people, some people are itching to get back to the office. Other brands have closed their business down until 2021, you know, like in terms of like working from home, they're not coming back. So I mean, thank God for technology because now we can just, you know, work so easily together and use all the resources available. It's just, like I said, I I ran glam at home up until 2016. You're a work from home expert. Do you have any work from home (laughs) tips, Zoom tips? (laughs) (laughs) Well, working from home requires, you know, silence and a dedicated space to work. So I found myself, yes, if I want to have a more relaxed day, I'm going to sit on the couch and work and, you know, that's fine. But if you have this dedicated space where you can bang out the majority of your work, that is going to help you stay focused. I guess setting up this office environment, if you can do that, that'll help you. I know it seems really cool. And I'm like, oh, I'm just going to work on the couch, kick my feet up, have the Today Show on in the background. And I think you can do that for like an hour or so in the beginning. But really to focus, you should set up that office like environment, you know, have everything ready, have your pens, your paper, your water, everything right there ready to go. So you can truly focus and just bang out that work. (laughs) definitely really good advice have you been able to set up your office since you've now recently moved yes yes luckily I moved to Los Angeles two months ago and I have set up my office I have a nice little working place here I have my hair sourcing table where I'm testing out all of our products and that's the one thing I miss is like collaborating with my team on like products right so now we're mailing it between different hey what do you think of this hair color and it's going to like three different offices it's uh it's been really interesting but um yeah I think it's good I think I think it's good but I will be excited you know in the next three to six months to get back to some type of office environment even if it is socially distanced it's really funny I think like when you're required to go to an office you'd hope like, oh, I can't wait to work from home. And then after working from home for a long time, like I worked from home for three years, I actually enjoyed opening my office. So it's like, it's a, it's a catch 22. Everyone always wants what they don't have or can't have. (laughs) It's true. That's exactly what it is. But I, I like, I do like an office setting. If I have to say like for entrepreneurs out there, like if you are running your business from home, I mean, this is a, a weird year, but let's say fast forward six months from now, if you can open a tiny office or work out of a WeWork, I think it makes you feel more professional. You look more professional when you take business meetings and um, yeah, you can rent offices by the hour, but to have your own dedicated workspace, that 
made a huge difference for me with Glam. I got an office when we were doing two and a half million dollars per year. And once I got that office, the next year we did $5 million. I just had this bigger space to work, right? There were no kids in the background. There was no doorbells ringing. It's just very, very focused work. So if you're running your business from home in 2021, I would encourage you to look at a small office and you know, it's just going to make you more organized, a better successful business. And now there's so many, as you mentioned, you know, office spaces where you can just do month to month and you don't have to commit yeah. to a long-term lease. So I think it's hard yeah. right now being an entrepreneur. You don't know, like we, we don't know what's coming next, you know, yeah. what, what could happen for the rest of 2020. We don't know. So definitely looking at some of those options where you don't have to have a long-term commitment, but yeah. And I think after this long quarantine time and, and just even throughout the rest of this year, it's going to be really important getting back to everything that you separate your work and your home, Yeah, you know? And so that's like in 2016, taking glam outside of my house, that really helped me take it even more serious, right? I could bring in a mentor who was going to lend me half a million dollars and he has no problem writing me a, a half a million dollar check because he's like, well, look at this. You have your office, you have your team. And it looks and feels like a real business. Totally. And you can do that with a WeWork as well. It just, it makes a big difference. I definitely agree with you. Alexandra, do you have a favorite quote or mantra that you live by? Yes, I do. So I believe firmly that there are no shortcuts to any place worth going. And that is the mantra I live by when it comes to business. I think you see a lot of success in the media around entrepreneurs, female entrepreneurs and you know how they raise a hundred million dollars and you know it seems like they're gonna scale their business so fast but there is a lot of hard work that they have done in the background leading up to that huge event and so if you want something you know it, it's gonna be hard there there is no shortcuts and so I think just remembering that that it is a marathon not a sprint that'll help get you through on like your toughest toughest days because there are going to be tough days you know there are going to be a lot of no's along the way and you have to find your way to yes. And that's my second mantra that I always tell my team. And that's kind of the culture we've built is there's going to be no's find your path to yes, no matter what it could take a week, it could take a year, it could take two years. If you want something or something needs to happen for your business, you have to find your way to yes. So those are my two mantras. I love that. Find your way to yes. I definitely couldn't agree with you more. And Alexandra, do you have any essential business tips for entrepreneurs that you can share? Yes. So I think women and entrepreneurs in general, we should, you know, go after what we want. There is no point of delaying, you know, starting your business or taking on that investor. Do what you need to now so you can have the benefits and the rewards later. A lot of women I've spoken to, you know, they don't know where to start. They don't have a business plan. They don't know, you know, where they can get an LLC. And so they're delaying their business plan. And I think you should just go for it now. You know, you don't need a business plan. You don't need the perfect business name. You don't even need a co-founder, although I highly recommend you have one. You can get started. If you're passionate about that product, it's going to shine through. It's going to do well. So just go for it. Get started. You know, there is no perfect line to success. You know, it's a very bumpy path and, you know, fear kills more dreams than failure ever will just go for it. Do what you need to do. Take that leap. Even if you have to walk the road alone, if you stay true to who you are and this is authentic, your product, your service is authentic and you know that you're going to make a difference, push forward no matter what. 
I love it. What would you say, Alexandra, being an entrepreneurista means to you? Being an entrepreneurista means that you are willing to take risks and do whatever it takes for your business. It's a great opportunity. If you have that opportunity to pursue a business and run something of your own, there's a lot of responsibility with it. And so what it means is, you know, we have to take these risks for our team members, right? To provide more opportunities for others to create the best product out there for our customers. It it means taking risks and, and being responsible, but paving the way for others. It's just a huge, huge opportunity. And although there's a lot of stress that comes along with being a business owner, you truly, truly at the end of the day are changing lives, whether it's through your product or service or through the opportunities that you're creating for others. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. And you are an incredible entrepreneur. Your story is absolutely incredible. What you were able to do, turning a thousand dollars into a multi-million dollar business and then selling your business and still continuing to work and grow for this business that you created. Congratulations on all that you've accomplished. It's, it's really incredible. You should, you should pat yourself on the back many, many times because you really are incredible. And I know sometimes just being in the day-to-day of your business, it's hard to remember to step back and be like, wow, I did this. You You did it. It is. It is. Thank you so much. Where can everyone find you, follow you, and of course, buy your awesome products? Yes. So my Instagram is the real Alexandra Kristen with a C and Glam Seamless, obviously on Instagram. And you can get our product from glamseamless.com. Thank you for sharing your story. It's absolutely incredible. Again, congratulations on all that you've accomplished. I'm Stephanie, and this is the best business meeting I've ever had. Thanks for listening. Hey, entrepreneurs, it's Steph here. Do you want to experience what it's like to be part of our Entrepreneurs League community of founders? Now is your chance. New member open enrollment begins on June 10th, and so does our Experience Week. I really want you to have the opportunity to experience what it's like to be part of the most supportive community that will be here to support you at all stages of your business journey during our Experience Week. This will be a five-day virtual event series, and it starts on Monday, June 10th through Friday, June 14th. You're going to get access to live networking and learning events, business growth strategies, as well as office hours with Kim Corral, who is a CEO and serial entrepreneurista, as well as a prominent angel investor. You will also get access to a session on how to win grants with Kat Weaver and Katie Dunn, founders of Power to Pitch. Plus, our mentor, Carrie Kirpin, will be teaching a session all about how to build a profitable business that can sell for more money. And of course, I'll be hosting two info and networking sessions where you can really get an inside look at all of the exclusive benefits and resources that are offered only inside of our Entrepreneurs Elite community. Plus, you'll have the chance to meet and build relationships with current members. You can register today for Experience Week over at entrepreneurs.com forward slash experience week. That's entrepreneurs.com forward slash experience week to join us for a week of free virtual events. I cannot wait to meet you and be part of your business journey.